This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in this home and is the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. If wine came out of a tap, would you drink it? Yes. <laughs> Where is that tap and why is it not already in our apartment? <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll work on that uh, that dream. When we build a dream home, mm-hmm. that'll be a really interesting conversation with the contractors. Yeah. You know, I was talking to a contractor once. Sorry, we're just going to go into a, <laughs> straight into a story. And they were talking about just like random other things that they had put into people's houses. And they're talking about... By request or... Yeah. Okay. Yes, absolutely. They're talking about this pool, which had um, beer taps. on. I think like it had like a swim up bar or something. So they're talking about the beer taps at the side of the pool, which seems both cool and dangerous. Um, but, you know, for doing dream house let's go ahead and have a wine tap at the pool a wine tap at the pool that is amazing yeah wow uh, right? i'm sorry i just went into a little bit of a a little doodle, 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 and i was dreaming about it yeah and on the edge not like a fountain in the middle because you don't want to have to get in the water to get the wine like sometimes you want to be standing <laughs> on the ground and you want some wine no i think you have to exercise for your wine i think you should have to <laughs> swim to your wine I mean, can you, I, as you know, because you have been married to me uh, and knew me even before we were married. I did, which was really, <laughs> I like that society does it that way. It's right? better, I think. Uh, I am, have a really good, um, I'm very talented at spilling my drinks. <laughs> yes. And yes. so in a pool, I think I would, I wonder, like, would I be really talented at spilling my drink while I'm swimming? And that would be terrifying. Like, I would need, like, giant drinks. And then when I got out of the pool, I could pour it from the giant plastic tub into, like, a normal-sized glass. Yeah, I think we need a wine tap that pours into uh, wine helmets, like beer helmets, (laughs) that we can elegantly sip from. (laughs) Anyway, in case anybody is wondering, why are they talking about (laughs) wine taps? Uh, For those who've been listening for a while, uh, I kept asking Sarah, uh, how are you at the beginning of every podcast? And uh, it felt good to switch it up to random questions that I make up on the spot. And that one was pretty easy to make up because you're drinking wine. I am. <laughs> and I'm drinking some beer. And now we know a lot about pool construction. There I we go. I think we learned a lot. I think we learned a lot. <laughs> uh, but let's get into uh, this episode's obsession. Uh, it's funny that I said this episode's obsession because the obsession for this episode is uh, episodic storytelling. So let me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Wikipedia uh, this for a moment, yeah. uh, if you're okay with it. Uh, this is not literal Wikipedia, but uh, Josephpedia. This is kind of <laughs> what I put together. So it can be confusing because the actual term episodic storytelling has used to kind of mean serialized. <laughs> but in it, that term ha- has shifted meaning. And in discussion of modern television and film series, uh, this is what I have encountered. This is verified on the old internet uh, that episodic is when each individual episode is its own story and they don't necessarily connect to one another. So like going back to classic shows like Star Trek The Next Generation, where each episode is an adventure, uh, continuing modern procedurals. Uh, Most American television shows (laughs) before the mid-90s would be episodic. Uh, That is in contrast to serialized stories, where each episode is telling part of one overall story, like Breaking Bad, Stranger Things, or 
almost every show that exists now. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, many shows are a mix of the two, episodic with you know serialized elements, meaning that there is a big picture story arc, but it's told slowly throughout the season. And the big example of this, of of the of a show really going like, ooh, let's let's mostly be episodic is X Files, where there's a case a week, but then there's this big story arc, and every once in a while you get one of the the myth episodes, the the mythos episodes, and you get the little bit of serialization. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of stories or a lot of shows do mix them up, but there aren't anywhere near as many just purely episodic shows where you're just like, I know this character, and when I tune in this week. They'll be doing that thing they do. And then next week, they'll just have another adventure. I think Castle is another good example of what you see a little bit more uh, in more recent times, too, where that is very episodic for the most part in that there's a murder and they solve it. But then there's kind of bigger story arcs about their relationship or like, you know, one of the detectives murdered parent, you know, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we just want to really lay the groundwork for what the hell we're talking about this week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I guess to, to describe it in the most direct way, what I'm interested in is we don't have many shows where the characters, you know, just have another adventure. Almost everything is big connected narrative right now. Mm-hmm. So that's why I've been really fascinated uh, of thinking about what is the value of episodic storytelling? Will it make a comeback? Uh, are its days gone? Should it make a comeback? All those kind of things is what I've been obsessing over and wanted to discuss with you. Yeah, can't wait. Excellent. So here's my first question for you. In general, how do you feel about episodic television? Do you like seeing one-off adventures? Or are you like, no, go away? <laughs> um, I My answer is more nuanced than that. I expected nothing <laughs> but nuance. Um, you know, I like them both. Because I do... <laughs> See, there we go. I like everything. No, that, that's actually not true. Um, I do... There's... I like the... I like the story arcs. And I... And shows that aren't purely episodic. But for me, there is absolutely um, continues to be and will continue to be a place um, in my heart and in my eyes for (laughs) (laughs) episodic TV. Yeah. Um, Because sometimes you do just kind of want a one off something. You don't necessarily want to commit to watching 14 episodes or it's late at night and you don't quite remember what happened, but you just need a little something to kind of quiet your mind before you go to sleep. Um, or at least I do. And so, so I've, and, and also I feel like there's different stories lend themselves better to different styles. Yeah. And I feel like finding, finding the style that works the best for the story is what I enjoy. And, and that said, like, I feel like pure episodic television without some sort of an arc I'm every time, every time I'm like, well, that's an example. I'm like, no, because there's still a little bit of an arc, like still something of a season arc. Yeah. Like w- um, what popped into your mind? Um, I can't, I now like 15 have popped into my mind while I've been answering this question. <laughs> and they've left. And they've all left. <laughs> Put me on the spot. They've all left. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so that's, um, I think kind of where I come from is I'm, it's not like I don't want to ever watch it because, but I also like things with, um, with an ongoing uh, arc. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, the part of the reason that I've been obsessed about it, and, and we'll, we'll dig into what, what's good and what's bad about it in detail, but I think I just, I miss having the nuance of having both. And like, yeah, there are still some procedurals, and yeah, I can watch old things if I want that experience. Uh, 
But I think what I am both intrigued and maybe a little frustrated by is this pendulum swing that I have experienced uh, as a viewer where like growing up, you know, it, there were those shows that felt like nothing will ever change, you know, mm -hmm. nothing will the nothing will ever change in these characters lives. And sometimes you even get the things where like a, a really big event. It seems like they'll still be affected by that next week. And like, nope, <laughs> I'm good. I almost died or I almost got married, but I'm back to what I was doing last week. And as a kid, I was just sort of like, give me real life. Let characters grow and change and die. And I want a character to be depressed for half the season. And then like shows like X-Files started to dabble with that. Uh, Deep Space Nine in particular, I was so mesmerized uh, by watching even the first few seasons before it even got as serialized as it did at the end. Mm -hmm. So, memorized, so mesmerized, so excited for that because it felt so real to feel like, these characters that I like uh, on in stories, they're going to have real stakes and things that happen to them are really going to matter. And I'm going to get to enjoy that continuity of like, I remember three seasons ago when that happened and I so wanted that. And now we have really had this pen pendulum swing where almost everything is that. Mm -hmm. And then so it makes me crave what you were describing as kind of the the comfort in the one off adventure and having characters that it's OK for them to be a little bit steadfast of like. I solve mysteries. Yeah. They don't personally affect me too deeply. Every once in a while, maybe something will. But this is just the thing I do every week. And so I'm doing it. And I, I the other part of it that, that I get obsessed with of, of wanting to see episodic storytelling survive a little bit is because the pendulum has swung so much, there can be a real idea that um, episodic one-off adventures are low stakes of if you don't believe that everything could change every episode, then it's not worth watching. Mm. If it's just small character development or just a little, you get to see the cranky side of an otherwise happy character because this adventure brought something out in them uh, that that's bad or that all stories must be tied to a larger narrative. Yeah. Like I, I love Marvel. I love MCU and I think it's great that those movies are serialized. Uh, each movie is a one-off adventure, but the whole thing mm -hmm. is serialized. And that works for me and is great because it's an adaptation of a serialized form of comic books. But because I think people have experienced that not only in all of the shows that they watch, but then in really big things like uh, MCU or like Star Wars trilogies, there can be a, this real quick reaction. Like remember when Solo came out and people were like, it was a fine adventure, but you don't need to see it because it doesn't lead into the next story, you know? <laughs> and yeah. that was like a, a surprise stab in the heart to me. Like anybody's opinion, if that's your opinion and your reaction, you are welcome to it. It is yours. But for me, for the variety I want to see in the storytelling world, that idea that all we saw is Han Solo really wrestle with how he wants to perceive the world. You know, all we saw is a bunch of different characters trying to see if, there's any possible way they could have a little bit of personal freedom if they could even believe in the possibility of personal freedom. Uh, that's kind of boring because there was no post-credit scene for the next <laughs> episode or it didn't yeah. directly affect the next you know, chapter in the story. Therefore, it doesn't have value as its own story because it doesn't connect to a larger narrative. Yeah. Do you have any feelings about that rant? <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I do. I, I actually, I do. I mean, well, and especially I wasn't even thinking about movies because I feel like 
we have to have movies that can stand alone. Like I'm people can have their own other opinions. And of course we should all have our own opinions. Uh, And I'm going to say that my opinion is we should be able to have movies that can stand alone. Well, yeah. And I think we certainly do have like movies, just like a random movie about an event, right. Yeah. Uh, That isn't necessarily going to spin off into, into sequels uh, or, or a larger narrative. Mm -hmm. But I'm really fascinated by like the episodic format used to be so standard for you know books and for films so you have something like james bond that that was really unique and great is a film series because it wasn't a direct continuation mm-hmm. and it wasn't like whoa surprise hit so we're gonna rush out james bond 2 it's like it they were pulling for novel from novels where the character changed a little bit over time but in general it was episodic it was generally like you know you know james bond in all of his chick. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And now he's going to have another adventure and we're going to change it up and he's going to do some of those things that you like, maybe slightly different in a different location. But there's that sort of you like this. So we're going to make another. Yeah. And I feel like I totally understand the repetition and the lack of development that led to the storytelling we have now. Mm-hmm. But now there's a part of me that's just like I kind of I'm pining for just give me a character I know and let him have an adventure. Yeah. So here's the modern one that. It has a little bit of an art. I'm not, I don't mean like a little bit, but um, but I feel like does have some strong episodic tendencies unless I'm just horribly misremembering. Episodic tendencies is a great band name is, or a perfume. It? I don't know why. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, when our band is playing episodic tendencies, um, no, it could be entirely be that I've just forgotten half the show. Um, but I feel like Mr. Mayor is a show that has a little bit more of the episodic DNA in it than some other shows. Yeah. And Would I think, you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think I was thinking about like 30 Rock too, of like, definitely mm-hmm. there are some long arcs of characters dating relationships, you know, in, in a natural evolution of the characters as the writers and the actors get to know them and, and, you know, refine them and res- they have events that'll happen. But yeah, in general, it's just like, hey, there's a crisis this week. Like in, in Mr. Mayor, which I really enjoyed that first short season, y- there is like slow building of the relationship t- between the characters as they get to know each other and get to trust each other a little bit more. But it really is like he's the mayor and there's a problem every week. Yeah, I feel like there's each each episode is a very concise episode. And if you miss one, you're not necessarily missing one of the key pieces to keep watching. Yeah. Which to me is one of the important parts of episodic TV is that not that you necessarily want to miss them, but that you're not lost if you miss one. Right. And that was the big network fear and why so many things in American television were episodic for so long of like, Mm -hmm. you just need to be able to just sit down and watch Cagney and Lacey. You can't be too worried about, you know, any that didn't have some serialized elements, but like, uh, chips, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. That is how it. I watch Kate and Allie. Kate and Allie, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, exactly. And that, that it's so interesting that there was that concern that storytelling is being driven by a concern of it needs to be su- somewhat successful, both artistically and financially, mm-hmm. in that you can trace financial concerns of, hey, uh, back back in the day, there was a concern that you need to be able to just grab any person to just sit down and watch Cheers on Thursday. And they can't be following the, a massive soap opera, mm-hmm. a slow a slow burn one where Sam and Diane's relationship changes once once a season 
okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you can advertise a very special episode. Great. But it's not a soap opera, and it's a danger if it is, mm-hmm. a financial danger. And I almost feel like sitcoms are kind of their own, a little bit of their own thing. Yeah. You know, like I think The Good Place was a great, incredibly serialized mm-hmm. sitcom where if you did miss an episode, it would still be funny, but you wouldn't understand what level of existence they were on or what they were trying to do, right? Yeah, and there were some episodes that if you missed, you would really be missing. It would be funny, but yeah. in a very abstract way. <laughs> uh, but now I almost feel like with, you know, a movie like Solo where, you know, it got dinged for being like, it's just an adventure. That was like the whole concept of the <laughs> uh, a Star Wars story. They were going to be like, let's look at little other corners of the galaxy. Yeah, and so now I think there's like there's maybe a financial fear of like but people love serialized storytelling where they feel like they're in for the big arc and every episode matters to the big narrative. And if they think it's just a, a one off standalone episode where nothing changes and there's nothing to uh, debate or ponder about between episodes mm-hmm. or if it's all all released at once, there's no hook to get them to slam that button to watch the next one. Then that's a that's a risk. Yeah. Did Rogue One get hit for the same thing? No, because Rogue One ended up being just a weird way to start a Star Wars story of just like let's tell adventures, and you can see the the thought path of like what are adventures we want to tell in the galaxy. And long ago, even before the Disney purchase, Kazdan, the screenwriter, uh, and his son of Solo were interested in telling a young Han Solo adventure. So like, mm-hmm. okay, great. But then Rogue One was John Knoll, uh, one of the, the great special effects persons and one of the co-creators of Photoshop, was like, I've always wondered, it's in the crawl of the first film that the plans were stolen. What was that about? So you can see how it starts as like, ooh, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting story. Yeah. But by the time the film is done, and it's, the cliffhanger is literally spoilers for Rogue One and 1977 Star Wars, <laughs> Darth Vader's watching as Leia escapes with the Death Star plans on her way to Tatooine to find Obi-Wan, that's not a standalone story. That is a direct prequel to the first Star Wars film. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's totally standalone, but no, I'm not I don't saying, feel I, like Solo is totally standalone either. I, I don't feel that way either because I, because I see things through, like, character and theme. And, like, Solo is, you know, there's beats in Solo that, like, that is utter beautiful connection to moments in Empire Strikes Back in Force Awakens like uh, mm-hmm. so for me like it's not the literal plot thread of what's going to happen next um so I think that's where it got dinged but I uh, that was a long way because it involves Star Wars so I have to say it the long <laughs> way that was a long way to answer your question like no no one dinged Rogue One for that because it connected to the larger story right and it and did I, have that direct connection as in the next scene is a new hope. Yeah, and it it feels so connected to the narrative that people have invested in. Mm, so it's also a little bit like, well, why are you telling me this? It's not a part of the story that I'm invested in. Yeah, interesting. But Rogue One had none of that because it's like, here's exactly why we're telling you this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, so that was just our first question. <laughs> oh, that was just in general. Oh How boy. do you feel? Well, um, what are, for you? What are some examples of? episodic series that you've really enjoyed some favorites yeah yeah well um i mean for modern ones if i can dare to count mr mayor within that i would that's in you can in the border in the borderline realms uh that is one of my favorite shows i've seen in a long time yeah so really enjoyed it um another good modern example which i had forgotten about uh 30 rock which you brought up is great um kind of 
back in the day when most things were episodic, I brought up Kate and Allie, which I watched often not even. And here's the thing, like I not only missed a bunch of episodes, like I often only watched like 15 minutes of the episode because it was on reruns right before dinner. And so like I would watch 15 minutes and then, you know, eat dinner and go to dance class. And that was <laughs> that was my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, OK, so you're a little I yeah, I watched Kate and Allie, that was sort of like appointment television. Oh, interesting. Yeah, for me, it was all reruns. Yeah, and um, I, don't, I remember very little about it other than I thought it was funny and great. But I remember one particular night, because Kate and Allie was still on the air when uh, I first discovered Doctor Who and had bought some of the novelizations. And I <laughs> I had it in my head that I was going to uh, collect everything first Doctor. And that, at that point, was just a, a few novelizations that were available to me. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I made a little box for all of my first Doctor things. Oh. <laughs> and I had just got a new first Doctor novelization, and I wanted to read it, but it was Kate and Allie night, and I remember being so torn. Wow. I can't remember what I decided. Well, that's fascinating. Goodness, we need a little time machine right now. Yeah, yeah. Go back and be like, what did Joseph do that night? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, I don't think I ever watched it live. Uh, So for me, it was all reruns. Uh, The other big one for me, just kind of as a growing up one, would be Murder, She Wrote. Oh, yeah. And that that was more just because my family was watching it. Now, I I have not watched it. Mm -hmm. The My understanding of it is it's a you know, traditional murder series of there's a different case every week, right? Yeah. But to your memory, does uh, does she go through like major life changes? Not that I recall. And I'll also add the caveat that I probably last saw it when I was 12. (laughs) Uh, So why that's sticking in my head, I don't know. I'm pulling up my Murder, She Wrote trivia questions. (laughs) Um. Here, actually, so this is another, so, okay, and we're just, I, I'm just going to keep listing TV shows. This oh, okay. is going to be really interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Go for it. Um, Quantum Leap. Okay. Is another one that is episodic, but does have a little bit of growth and change throughout it from what I remember. Again, right, because every episode time. he leaps into a different body, but uh-huh. eventually he wants to leap home, right? Yes, and I don't actually remember if I ever ended the series, but um, or finished the series. <laughs> if you ever ended it, wow, that's a lot of power. I had a lot of I'm power as a seventeen-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> so those are great examples of you kind of know what you're getting, and what you know is the character, right? Mm-hmm. And what is going to change is the situation. So right. you get the joy of the character, and then you get the surprise of the new situation. Yeah. And my last example is actually a transitional example. Ooh, yeah. So because it's episodic, but it is absolutely there are arcs of what happens and you want to, um, you know, you're kind of following what happens with the characters, but you absolutely can miss episodes, I say, because I probably missed half of them, uh, is the show that someday you will get to watch because someday we will find it in a way you can watch it, and that is Homefront. <laughs> and that was serialized, though, right? That's, that's kind of like a primetime uh, drama. In, in primetime dramas could have a lot more serialization. Yeah, but I feel like it also, and maybe I'm, not, maybe I'm using episodic differently from the Josephpedia definition <laughs> of it. Um, but it also did have, I mean, it was an episode of the week like Cheers right. or like Quantum Leap because there were ongoing stories. Right. But it wasn't like a lot of TV now I would never watch. I would never skip an episode. Right. Because you will be lost. Because I would be lost. And I, you know, might have forgotten to set my DVR, my DVR, my VCR, goodness. And it was on. (laughs) Who has time travel now? (laughs) And it was on where I lived where it was often bumped. And they just wouldn't air some of the episodes because it was bumped for whatever 
games were going on. Yeah. So like a bunch of episodes just for me in Iowa were not aired. Yeah. And you just had to keep catching up to see what was happening and like who was in California and who is still back on the East Coast and, you know, how is baseball going and all that. <laughs> How is baseball going? Yeah. See, I want some shows where that's the stakes. Yeah. How is baseball going? <laughs> yeah, no, I will. I, 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 I've told you this before. You told me you, you love this show and it, it's the most sketchy thing I've ever done to the internet. I went on <laughs> some uh, totally illegal site trying to buy you some DVD and it, it never came. Yeah, some some scammer got my my love money. Oh, that's <laughs> very kind. And for a while, they used to be on YouTube, but they uh, they were illegal on YouTube, and they've long since been taken down. Yeah, but if anybody knows where to find a legit copy, yeah, and it, it's Homefront, right? Homefront, and it does not help that there are many other things that use the name Homefront. Yes. It's hard to Google too. Uh, yeah, I think for me, uh, the next gen comes up a lot mm, in my mind yeah. because next gen is definitely like the show evolves, right? The characters evolve, their relationships shift, you know, particularly in later seasons of, you know, uh, uh, Worf, um, you know, has stuff with his kids and there's dating and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Worf and Troy date. That's what I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there are moments where the show goes, wait, the, all that that thing that people kept like wondering about, like, you know, you'd watch certain shows and be like, a horrible thing happens to this character every week. And next week, they're like, I'm fine. I'm dealing with it. So, like, I remember as a kid being thrilled that there were the there was the Borg season cliffhanger where Picard gets turned into Locutus of Borg. And then I love that the next episode was him dealing with it. That was like mind blowing and novel. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like that to the point that I almost to me, that's on the line of whether even though many episodes are. episodic. Yeah. But I would say that it has these bursts of being slightly serialized Mm -hmm. and the characters evolve. But there's a lot, a lot of Star Trek The Next Generation that's just like uh, they encounter an anomaly that you know makes them sad and data wants to learn comedy and like and that's that's and <laughs> they resolve those plots and that's it and you'll never hear about those things or those events again yeah right and and it is it has a little bit of that flavor of episodic i think i it pops to my mind because next gen is such a it's such a comfort show right mm-hmm. it is in there are definitely moments of action there's moments of, of great drama those characters are are you know there's a reason that people uh, still love this the show but there's also this like fun the feeling and and like joke to it of like it's next gen let's talk about our problems and work them out calmly you know yeah uh that that vibe along with like the effect of the ship just kind of whooshing in the background <laughs> at all times I think I think of that one because episodic shows can be so comforting of just exactly what you said at the top. Like I've had a long day and I don't want to trace the intricacies of the big plot. I don't feel like guessing about what comes next. I don't feel like risking the story was just getting interesting, but now there's a cliffhanger and I'm tempted to hit next so I can feel a little bit more a sense of completion. I just want to spend 22 to 42 minutes with people I like as they resolve a conflict that there's a comfort in that of going to bed with the conflict resolved, you know, and you you can, you can watch in next. So I think, I think of next gen because of some of this desire comes out of comfort. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. And you're relatively sure with some exceptions that 
one of your main characters is not going to be killed that episode, <laughs> which yeah. cannot always be said for uh, serialized TV. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, when Deep Space Nine started really started rolling, I was like, this is so great. This is everything I wanted Next Gen to be. And now I'm like, I still love Deep Space Nine. I'm glad it existed. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, it'd be great to have some some Next Gen. Even when I watched uh, <laughs> Discovery, I really enjoyed Discovery, but I was really clinging to those episodes like, ah. Oh, this episode, they have a clear mission on a planet, and they have to resolve that part of the story, period, yeah. this episode. And it, it feels like so warm and glowy to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm also just kind of obsessed with the, the James Bond series in general, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that one has been fascinating for me to watch, starting in the Pierce Brosnan era, which is a long time ago now. He was still just having an adventure, and in, in, by and large, the people he met that movie, eh, they might pop up in another movie or they might not. Uh, but you'll never know what if that relationship worked out. <laughs> the, the, the people that he hooked up with were just gone. But starting with Pierce Brosnan, every movie he has a personal hook to the story. So you already see that moving away from just like the steadfast character who's solving a problem. Mm-hmm. It, in Goldeneye, he is being betrayed by his old friend uh, in Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, one of the catalysts is somebody he cares about dying. You know, anyway, I could go mm-hmm. on. Yeah. But, um, and then we shift into Daniel Craig where those films are now fully serialized. They yeah. form, a, they are their own adventure, but they form a complete story. And I'm just kind of fascinated with that feeling that there is like a concern to just have a character, a well-known character, character like Bond, just have an adventure that it would be, bomb because people would go well how does that connect to the other films and that doesn't give me any sense of what's going to happen next and that yeah. so yeah that's a favorite where uh i'm it, it it's a favorite in terms of there you can have that comfort of like i know i know exactly who james bond is he's not going to change a lot in the thrill is what kind of a fight scene is he going to have what kind of enemies is he going to encounter what locales is he going to go to where the thrill comes from uh, the difference in the formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very interesting. So uh, what do you think episodic shows can provide that serialized shows don't? I rambled a lot about the comfort. <laughs> <laughs> As have I. But for you, yeah. uh, any other thoughts on, on what episodic shows provide? I mean, I, I think the comfort is part of it. I think sometimes, I mean, not that serialized shows can't provide this, but I think it's in a, in a different way that sometimes... Um, the comedy of it is if there's let me pretend that I know things about comedy (laughs) but here's the way I enjoy shows is there's some shows where um there's kind of there's a comedy of the ongoing situation or the ongoing characters and sometimes it's more this the situational comedy like the sitcom even if it's not a show that is a sitcom right and I feel like the more episodic shows sometimes, not always, can get away with that a little bit more than some, not all, of the serialized shows. I'm not saying serialized shows are not funny. That is not remotely what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's it's a, it's a type of humor that sometimes hits me differently yeah. and allows me to enjoy it in a different way. Basically, comfort. Uh, no, you're doing a great job. You, uh, in terms of your comedy and story analysis, yeah, you basically are uh, describing this new story cycle that uh, is very popular that Dan Harmon invented. Uh, complex human being, Dan Harmon, uh, but he invented this uh, this story structure to acknowledge that 
what, mm. what you talked about, not only the comedic motivations, but how do you deal with characters where they are going to go through something. There's going to be a beginning and a middle and an end, and they might be affected by it, but not in the standard storytelling structure that is the person sets out on a journey, they discover something deeply true about themselves, they are changed. Right. Because they can't be changed every week. <laughs> right. Uh, and so there's a story cycle that's much more about, like, what does the character want? What does the character try to get? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do they end up back home? I'm super simplifying it. Uh, this isn't a story cycle episode <laughs> of Obsessed, but we can be obsessed about that later. But I think to what you're saying is uh, there is in both in, in, in comedy, certainly, but I think other episodic shows where the characters are kind of steadfast and like don't change too much. Mm-hmm. There's in comedy, there's a lot of fun for like if you have a character and you know their three wants, right? They, you know that they love uh, beer, hockey, and uh, prefer, uh, you know, their mother to their father. And like, and those are all the jokes. Every joke comes from like that. This is like Jack Benny in radio perfected this of like the <laughs> he's always 39 and he doesn't talk about his age. He's cheap and he loves to play the violin, but he's bad at it. Like, and those were the jokes. And then the the joy was the surprising variations of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that the audience was in on them. And, you know, when sitcoms are good, they can really make that work mm-hmm. when they're when they're getting a little tired. That's when you get to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Cliff's going to say something weird again because that's his thing. And that's totally. his only thing. Totally. Um, so, yeah, no, you, you are, are spot on. There we go. Well, hey. Yeah. So I would say that's one for me. And then I do just plain, I love a, a good detective show or kind of procedural type show. Um, another one that, I, I, I mean, I think it would be in that general realm is Doc Martin, which is a British show um about a doctor instead of a procedural but still like there's growth there's development but it's like okay what's the problem going to be this yeah what what is he going to solve yeah Yeah, but i um but a but there's just something about i think it's that resolution that you were talking about earlier that feeling of you watched it there's resolution and you can you can move away from the tv you can do your other things the characters are in their lives. They've been resolved. So they're sitting happy wherever they're sitting within the TV box. Um, right. Doc Martin know. is just, you know, having a sip of whatever he enjoys. Maybe some tea, maybe some gin. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, right. But he's solved his problem for the week. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, your detective, whatever, you know, because I, I, I do really enjoy a lot of detective stories. And uh, whether they're com- completed in one episode or not, but the ones that are episodic and completed in one episode, there is that feeling of like, okay. You deserve to sit down and have your cup of tea now. <laughs> yeah, I think well I, done. I think for me that is one of the big joys is an unambiguously complete story. Yeah. Right? There and keep caveating this. It's not like I think everything should go back to episodic. I think serialized has a lot of advantages. I think it is in many ways more realistic. Mm-hmm. I, but I think what this is I don't want serialized to wipe out episodic entirely. So anyway, my point being there is just like um, this this great like it's a beginning and a middle and an end is this comfort. It's also satisfaction, right? I think there's a thing to it. It's like a like a procedural. Like I'll go back to Castle because I I enjoyed Castle. It mm-hmm. had a real distinctive style, and I found found everyone on it really charming. Mm-hmm. And it had a couple of serialized elements for sure, but in general, it was like it is what it says on the tin. 
Yeah. So you know what you're getting in into of uh, I'm going to spend some time with these characters that I know I like. And it really is just like I'm going over to my friend's house. And like when I'm going over to my friend's house, I don't expect them to have to be radically changed <laughs> when I leave. <laughs> I expect them to be <laughs> the friend I know slowly growing and evolving and I get to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that of just like I spend some time with my television friend. And like Castle Lake, there's a murder. They're probably going to solve it mm-hmm. entirely by the end of this episode. And then and then there'll be a little bit of like, ooh, what's going on in the relationships and a little bit of, ooh, yeah, maybe tune in next week to see how everybody's feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's done. There, there's a bow on it. Yeah, yeah. I love that idea of like they're slowly growing and evolving because there's very few shows that I can think of that there isn't some element of that, but it's not... But it's not the massive change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, um, there's there's this energy for me on like something like uh, the CW superhero shows, which I enjoy a, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and those those always do have a like this is the challenge or the mission of the week. Legends of Tomorrow in particular, like we're we're time travelers. We end up in this time and it's this style of episode and we we resolve that conflict but it's also always a serialized story of here's the big problem of the season and we're waiting to get to the big bad and i think those kind of shows give you a little bit of the episodic feel but because the serialized story is always it's a big you know are they are they going to defeat the big bad when all that there can also be this sort of like um if the shows go on too long the characters are meaningfully changed every season which mm-hmm. is fun when you're watching the season. But then when you come back and watch the season, like, hey, man, didn't you learn that three seasons ago? Didn't you, in fact, learn that three seasons in a row? Like, right. in this tension where a a, a movie-like plot where a, a character goes on the journey of their lives and they are changed, you can kind of get a little bit of that vibe in television, but that you can't keep coming back season after season after season and have that growth feel real. Yeah. Unless you're just really into, I suppose it is realistic to be like, you learned that lesson. I guess you're making that mistake, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, the, one thought about that is in some of the um, like CW shows, a few of my favorite characters are actually the characters that don't change a lot. Right. Goodness. Like they what try new things myself? or, but, but it, I think <laughs> but it's, it's about, about myself. It's no. about what, it's about the kind of change, right? It is totally. Because like, this is an utterly random, weird example, but, uh, uh, uh Rory, right? Uh, fire guy. Uh, yeah. On Legends of Tomorrow, right? Yes. Uh, is that the right name? Yes. Yeah. Uh, suddenly Rory was like, wait a minute, that's Gilmore Girls. No, it's, it's both. <laughs> He is like, you know, he's he's got he's like a, a sitcom character. And I mean that in the highest compliment of like he's got a shtick. He's got the low grumbly voice and he, he just wants to drink beer and he doesn't like it if anybody messes with him and his feelings are a little bit buried and that's his thing. And it's funny. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really change from that. But over the seasons, he tries different things. Right. Yeah. You know, he tries. I'm trying not to do spoilers for Legends of Tomorrow. He tries some art. Mm-hmm. He makes a family connection mm-hmm. and he. And he evolves a little bit the way humans do. Yeah. But it's not like I went through this and now I am forever changed. And now, yeah. but then the show struggles to acknowledge that he is forever changed. Yeah. And I'll also throw in there, I feel like there's some, because now we're just going to talk about this for a few minutes. Um, I feel like there are some good examples where people are massively changed. Uh, 
speaking of Legends of Tomorrow, she's a carryover from Arrow as well. But I feel like Sarah, throughout the course that we've known her, Sarah Lance, has gone through massive changes in her life. Oh, yeah. And uh, she is also one of my favorite characters, so I won't say, you know, but but she is an example of somebody who has gone through multiple changes. Yeah. Um, major ones. I just the the person that I was thinking of is just kind of one of my f- absolute favorite characters in the CW, which is Joe West. Oh yeah, and Flash, and I feel like he has gradual change, but part of what he brings to the show is his, um, his steadfastness. Oh yeah, Joe West on the Flash is just phenomenal. That you know he is definitely one of those. Uh, I wish I could call that character, <laughs> right, for advice of like. <laughs> How do I come become friends with that person? Will you pretend to be my father for just a minute, Joe West, the character, not uh, not the actor. I'm sure the actor is great. I'm but sure. Yeah. I don't want to creep that actor up. Yeah. Who is, of course, listening to this podcast. Um, so shows that are mostly serialized but have occasional episodic or standalone shows often get criticized as being filler. This is a thing that's happening um, with uh, some Star Wars storytelling in particular with animated shows, uh, but I think it happened a little bit with uh, WandaVision. It'll definitely happen with other MCU, sh- MCU shows on mm-hmm. Disney+, Plus, where there is definitely a bigger picture story, but then maybe an episode appears to slow down and doesn't move the big picture story f- forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all fans, of course, but many fans can get upset and say those are filler episodes and they don't like the filler episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what does that mean to you? What do you, what do you think a, a filler episode is? If you watch something and went, mm, I feel frustrated, that's a filler. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I certainly have felt that way when watching shows and have felt that certain episodes would I would maybe even describe it as filler. And to me, it's usually either I'm personally really wanting the story to move forward and it's not moving forward but also I think to me part of it is um when I get frustrated is the story that they're choosing to tell within that episode isn't grabbing me Mm. um whether it's with the action that's happening or the characters and what's going on with them you know or and I, I feel like they're making shows and some episodes are going to appeal to some people more than other people. And I'll take that as one that wasn't for me. And maybe the next one will be my favorite and somebody else will hate it. And that's like, I kind of try to roll with it. Yes. But there are certainly times when I have thought of something as filler, but to me, that's usually what it is. Is It doesn't feel like in a serialized story, like the story is moving forward. And also it felt like the story didn't hit the mark of what it was trying to do. Mm, So mm. to, to me, it's a double, it has to be a double whammy. If it's just like, this doesn't necessarily move the story forward, but it's a fascinating episode all in itself because it's really funny or really interesting or the characters do things or some fun heist happens or, you know, whatever. Like, if that's a complete thing, I'm perfectly happy. Yeah. It's, it's when it also falls a little bit flat to me on what it's trying to deliver. Okay. Yeah. So that that makes a ton of sense. And I love that you are just. <laughs> I'm not at all surprised, but just to have a healthy, like some episodes might not work really great for me. And I'm not personally engaged when, uh, when you're not engaged, when you're not hooked yeah. and for you, you aren't super analyzing. Did this move the big picture story forward? I mean, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. And sometimes there's episodes that, um, on shows that maybe we've watched, gone back and rewatched or at the end you're like, Oh, that felt like a filler episode, and it totally was not. Yeah. I mean, it was, but it was really developing something that pays off later. Yeah. Um, like, like you... Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to give a, a Star Wars example. Oh, please do. Please. <laughs> I feel like um, 
I can't think of specific episodes with it, but within the show Rebels, mm-hmm. which I thoroughly enjoyed the entire series of Rebels. But there, I feel like there were some where I was like, eh, not like that one just was a little slower, a little bit more like, I don't know if I would have said filler for this, but more filler. And some that did not feel like they were moving the story forward, but then you find out, you know, seven episodes later that, oh, there was actually a really important thing within that episode. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of taught me to learn my lesson and have patience, little grasshopper. (laughs) Uh, Did you have patience with WandaVision, right? Those first couple of episodes, there were some people who felt like, okay, I get it. She's trapped in some kind of sitcom world. There are hints that there's something else going on, but give me the plot. What's going on? And I don't need to see so many sitcoms. Whereas I think other people, mm-hmm. such as myself, and I, I, I want to ask you about it and, and get your, your fresh take of like, there are clearly things going on with the character. There are clearly things going on with the theme, and those things must be developed as well as the plot. So I was in no rush, as well as the fact that those episodes were incredibly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you feel about that? Well, I... <laughs> uh, for the benefit of listeners, uh, every once in a while, uh, despite being a very patient and kind person, Sarah has a look on her face. It's like, I'm containing my rage. <laughs> oh, did I? <laughs> well, your intensity. Let's not say rage. Intensity. You, Yeah. So um, go for it. I, I mean, so this is where I'm coming from in my total personal opinion. I loved those first few episodes. Absolutely loved them. I loved them for what they were. I loved them for the the decade switching. I loved the slow, the slow um, trickle. Yeah, not the word I'm looking for, but the word that's on my mind of of how we're figuring out that something's not right and how we're figuring out what that something is. Mm-hmm. And it to me was just a different way of storytelling. I loved not knowing what it was i mean and i keep saying like i i am a big fan of both for tv shows and also for books for like mysteries and novels and things like that and i love it when there's a little bit of a different way to to bring out some of that story of like we know something's not right we're not just going to watch an entire season of you know wanda and vision reenacting the dick van dyke show Uh, as enjoyable (laughs) as that would be like i'm not saying i wouldn't i'm just saying that's not what marvel's putting out as their first disney plus show right and there's plenty plenty of not you can't even call them clues there are things that happen the plot lets you know that things ain't right yeah and i and i know i have had conversations with many people who just felt impatient through those first few episodes and i understand and if those weren't to your taste and i if like the sitcom style you're just like no I can see that it would be horribly frustrating. But to me, I absolutely loved them. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I use the term filler because that's what people use as a, as a criticism. I'm not personally a, a fan of the term filler. I, I think it's a holdover from when almost everything was. If you want to be on television, your order is 22 episodes to 26 episodes or whatever. And then sometimes people are like, we're scrambling. We're trying to keep up with it all. Like, mm-hmm. okay. Back in the day, filler, okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, I feel like it, the majority of the way uh, things are being written, created, produced, ordered, like the you, you get these episodes to tell your story and people are, are pacing out their stories. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a huge fan of filler. I wanted to use it for clarity because that's what, what the word when people are being a critical is, but I wanted to share my filler thoughts there. And I think for me... An episode that is not firing on all cylinders, put it that way, (laughs) is when there isn't development of the plot. 
the theme, or the characters. If I feel like the characters are kind of in the same place that they started, and there was maybe some interesting action or comedy or aesthetic, like, great, I will enjoy that. But if I'm watching something that is kind of telling me that it's serialized, and it has an episode that is a little bit more episodic in the middle, where just kind of truly nothing changes, that's where I'll get a little bit frustrated. But the for me, the thing that I, I find kind of ironic in this conversation about episodic and serialized, I almost feel like the passion for serialized storytelling has generated more episodes where I feel like gears turn, but nothing moves. Because <laughs> I feel like there are shows, like I, I really like a ton of the Marvel Netflix shows, uh, but some of those feel like, okay, there's this big serialized story we want to tell. Uh, and we, we're not, we don't want to get to the end yet. Or like, mm-hmm. we need one more uh, convolution before we get to this next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely feel that for some network shows that we watch where it's a serialized story. And like, we're not, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did such a great thing where like, later in its run, it was like, well, screw it. We're going to break up the, the seasons into like, two or three arcs. Yeah. And they're kind of connected and it's still serialized. But like, hey, we dealt with this problem. Now we're dealing with this problem. Yeah. So they didn't have to do that. Like we're telling this one big story, but we need to stretch it out. And like those moments where like they, it feels to me as an audience member that the heroes were capable of catching the big bad this week, but it's halfway through the season right. <laughs> or more likely three quarters of the way through the season. And uh, they don't. Yeah. Um. So I, I, honestly, things for me that episodes that feel frustrated and grinding the gears come more from serialized stories that, that are, paced oddly Mm, yeah yeah i can absolutely see that and i find that i would call i would be tempted to call an episode like that a filler much more than would ever be tempted to call an episode a filler where the plot doesn't advance a bunch but we learn a ton about the theme and the characters that's like oh so delicious give me yeah and this has been a lot of the 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 discourse around the storytelling style of of Star Wars animation, it is there in Rebels. It's it's absolutely there in the the Bad Batch show that's going on. It was uh, there in the two season show Resistance, where like it's a style mm-hmm. where some episodes you can't immediately see like oh that character we met or that idea or that change that small change that happened in one of our main characters. It doesn't immediately resonate with people. They think it was a one off adventure and they get upset mm-hmm. because the big picture story that they care about didn't get advanced. But then is it is it uh, all adds up? Hell, Mandalorian. Mandalorian was one of the big hot buttons of this, where there are really? like episodes where it felt like, well, what was the point of that? And then it turns out, like, well, the the point was this relationship was developed between Din and and Grogu, and you know, we, you know, we met Fennec Shand, and like things that are going to pay off later. There can be a real lack of patience for. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so a show that you and I both enjoyed uh, ran for two seasons and I think was definitely serialized, was Agent Carter. Oh, yeah. And that was definitely, the those were shorter seasons, I think around 10-ish episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both seasons, there was like a big picture problem that she was chasing down and resolving. Yeah. Uh, would you enjoy an Agent Carter show that was just us enjoying the character of Agent Carter, and she just had a different adventure every week? And it wasn't a big, here is the 12-episode arc. It was just like, Ah, uh, I I kicked uh I defeated this Hydra plot this week. Yes. 
uh, which is nothing against the serialized part of it. Like I, I'm, I just really liked Agent Carter, and and I'll be honest, I remember the first season far better than I remember the second season. <laughs> um, but that sounds amazing, and like exactly the show I want to watch. And is that I would be- like to watch that tonight, please? <laughs> I would like to watch that too. Is that because the character of Agent Carter is the kind of character where you're like, I don't need her to have a revelation every week. She's just charming and I would like to spend time with her. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of it too is, you know, the whole like, excuse me, the shield and developing of shield is the type of situation that lends itself well to um, episodic television. And um, yeah, so so for me, it's a combination of liking the characters that we know, liking the setting and being willing to be in that setting and having that setting feel like something where you could just have the, uh, you know, it, it's not that different from like a detective show. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a know. version of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that's, you know, it would be much more modern, but like Dragnet, like there's yeah. a case every week yeah. and the detectives solve it. And like a, a show like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, decades ago would have been like they handle kind of weird stuff and they do it every week. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. That, and that's the whole thing, you know, but now everything does is much more. What's the big problem? Yeah. Yeah. And and I I certainly I feel like I'm kind of coming across as like, why isn't there more episodic? I I love things that are serialized as well, but I, I like a combination. Yeah. And I will say for myself, at least with some of the shows, if there are episodes that are slower um, or don't aren't as captivating for whatever reason. If it's a serialized show and I'm like, hmm, like the last one or two just haven't really caught me, I often, because I'm not necessarily a completionist, I don't need to be watching them for my job, I'll often just stop. Yeah. I'm not going to say the name. Oh, go ahead. I was interrupting you. Please, oh, no, please you're, you're just fine. No, no, I was no, just going to say, but if they were episodic and then it was one night and I was like, oh, well, that's on. Like, let me see what's going on. Maybe maybe those are just some slow episodes. Whereas now I'm like, I don't want to go back and catch up. So I'm done with that show. That is such a great point that going back to those good old days if it was just like eh, well i missed an episode of this one but i'll, I'll grab it because i like i kind of like the characters i like the aesthetic i like the mood yeah what are they up to i'll just pop in for a night yeah um i'm i have some critical things to say and i think it is a uh, good for uh, you know people poking around in the industry and myself to not not be too harsh uh, on things so i'm not going to name it mm-hmm. but we watched a show where we really liked uh the aesthetic it was a new twist on an old IP. That doesn't narrow it down because that's most things now. <laughs> uh, but I really like the aesthetic. I like the main character and a couple other actors. And I and you and I stopped. We we had a talk. It's a couple. And it's like, are we gonna, are we going to continue? And we're like, no. And for me, it was because the whole thing was serialized, and I wanted. And it just felt like, how many more episodes before they? possibly resolve this one thing and i just didn't have the patience for how long it was going to take to resolve that one thing mm-hmm. when it felt to me like it was a thing where would be like i'd be fine with two or three episode arcs but like figure it out <laughs> yeah it's not that hard yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah this would probably be much more juicy if i was willing to say the uh name of the show but anyway i'm no, not no. gonna uh so a criticism of episodic shows uh back in the day is that there's a reset button and the characters seem like they don't even remember what happened last week. Uh, I was researching this and there's I found some like fun Reddit threads of people's like favorite like, you know, this person almost got married, but then the uh, the fiance died 
And then they just don't talk about it next week. Like that back mm. in the day, those major like, yeah, yeah, that person got shot last week. Yeah, they don't even mention it next week. Like yeah, uh, that kind of level of reset that used to happen a lot on American television. Uh, would you enjoy a show that just embraces it where the character's mind is wiped every episode and they truly don't remember what happened last week? Ooh. Uh, if it were the right show... And if it were like one of the shows that I were watching, but if that was the setup for every TV show, too frustrating. I would be oh, done with no, TV. Oh no, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yes, uh, that is not what I'm advocating. It's like every show, every story, the main characters might no. Would you? In, would that be a, held any fascination for you? Of like, what is that? What is what would happen if we went back to that storytelling style and it was explicit, like? I'm glad you're enjoying spending time with so-and-so, but they're not going to remember it next week. Yeah. I think it would be intriguing just because it's so different from how we tell things now for a little while. Yeah. And it would get old in not that long. This is a British limited series, you know, uh, kind of, or that style, you mm-hmm. know. I would enjoy it if they did it to themselves on purpose. <laughs> uh, it. So this is what's fascinating about it is as much as I've been sort of pounding the metaphorical table that I would love to see some episodic stories. As soon as you think of something like that, where the character is, in fact, stymied. Yeah. And not capable of growing and the audience can't go on that journey of of the character even evolving a little bit. My mind, my writer mind immediately starts going like, cool, how do you turn that into a story? Right. So then like what I started thinking is like, okay, well, what if it's a person who chose made the choice to to wipe their mind so that they can really enjoy the world afresh every episode. <laughs> like that would be fun for a little while or like, oh wow, pizza, a new discovery. Right? <laughs> but that would be really fun for a little while and then you'd want like you'd want a narrative conclusion. You'd write you'd want to be like now that the now the person stops doing that and what do they what did they get out of that experience? Yeah. And I feel like in some ways they explored it in a different way, but they explored some elements of that in the good place. Yes, because there's some resetting. There's resetting of the people who are in the re- the good place. There's resetting of Janet. Yes. Um, and so I like it in that context. It was great in that context because the show was so clearly about uh, philosophy. And one of the you know philosophies of the human condition that they're exploring is how much do people change? Mm-hmm. And like people can have whole alternate lives that they made radically different choices, but they were still them. Yeah. And so we as the audience never felt shaken off from our characters because even though we knew that they had some experiences that they, the characters, didn't know they had in parts, uh, they were still them. And so we still felt like we were going on a journey with this character that we know their soul. Mm-hmm. Such well-drawn characters, such an amazing show. Yeah. Um, do you think your own life is more episodic or more serialized? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was meant to be the fun question of the episode. <laughs> well, my face is not making a fun face right <laughs> no, now. No, it was not a fun face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope it's serialized because I don't want to just be doing the same thing every day and not remembering. Yeah. Um, but I think there is a little bit of episodic in life as well. So I'm going to say it's a mixture. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it's so. This is such a fun thing to think about, just in general, the difference between ongoing stories versus little compact stories with beginning, middle, and end, and getting into well, what's the difference between small evolution and radical change and growth, and all all the ideas that are invited by discussing these storytelling formats. I think for me, when I think about my own life, 
I think a life should be serialized, right? What happened yesterday should matter today. Very happy to hear you say that. And it does affect us. And I do want to grow and and change and evolve. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is the way of things. That, That is all great. I think maybe a part of my obsession with the episodic is I feel like in the world in general, the big picture story it takes a long time sometimes to get to the any sort of uh, resolution, narrative resolution. You know, yeah. I, I think, and I think I, it, there's a lot of things I'm doing right now that are long term. Mm-hmm. Develop this, see where it goes, or love doing podcasts. But it's kind of this, they're, they're episodic, but it's this serialized adventure of it, it the story continues, the story continues. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love doing it, but there's a part of me that I think is pining for that beginning, middle, and an end. Mm, yeah. Like uh, in other life experiences, we've talked about this in person, but I'm going to say it on a microphone. What? Like uh, when a lot of what I was doing was theater, theater has such a beginning, a middle, and an end. Like yeah. for me, like I'd write the show, I'd cast the show, we'd rehearse the show, we'd do the show, and then uh, there'd be a closing night party. And that would be like the one episode where the character that I mostly like, me, <laughs> has an adventure. Mm-hmm. And then a couple months later, I'd have that same adventure again. Right. But but what's interesting oh, now different. is it's me in a different show. Mm-hmm. With <laughs> different people. With different people. And then some constants because some of the same people. You, uh, once you, you were in my life, you were the lovely constant. Nice. Good. <laughs> Very happy to hear that. Uh, but it's a weird ramble to just say like, I, I do think we need that balance i think we need in life to have this sense of being tied to the big things and what's going to happen next and everything is connected and and all those great feelings that serialized storytelling give us and and that that real life give us but i think both in terms of enjoying watching something and in life you want to have some of those experiences that are like here's the challenge here's the beginning the middle and the end and i put it in a box and i move forward Absolutely. Here's another example that I know you can relate to as well. Um, We have both in our lives been tour guides. Yes. And when you have a good tour, they have to end. When you have a bad tour, they have to end. (laughs) Um, But it is a little bit of like multiple tours within, you know, a day. Like, it's maybe a bad idea. I like your idea about the shows better, but... I was thinking about tours, so I just had to share. <laughs> I understand. I understand. And it's not like you won't evolve over tours, right? Of course. Right? Of course. There's and you learn things adventure. and things affect you. And maybe somebody asks a question. You're like, oh, I've never thought about it that way. Or, you know, something happens and then you don't ever do it that way again. And, uh, you know, so there's all sorts of learning. And you have your own experiences of where you're coming from and what happened at your rehearsal the night before. And so what are you actually thinking about? And Right. You know, yeah, it's all connected and life has has many big bads <laughs> to try to defeat in a reasonable number of episodes. <laughs> uh, our vacations standalone episodes in our life because they are outside. They can be outside of the normal adventure you're having. Yeah. I mean, that's always the trick, isn't it? Is because when at least... I'll say for myself, but I feel like this is the thing, a thing that people talk about a lot is when you go on a vacation, people are like, oh, this was amazing and it was relaxing or it was not relaxing because the vacation was running around and doing a bunch of things. But there's a 
a different sense of self than in the day-to-day life for, for at least for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then people come back to their regular life. They they've gone on their short serialized adventure and now they're back at episodic life and they want some of the serial to come with them. And there's always that like how do I keep that with me? Like how do I how do I not just get into the routine but actually keep some of the serialized adventure? Yeah. I think um, yeah. that that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I, I think uh, in this analogy for me, I feel like if somebody was watching uh, my life as a story, like they'd be investing in the serialized adventure of like what's going to happen in the big picture, you know, with life stuff, with career stuff, you know, um, is he going to grow a beard again? Uh, whatever <laughs> entices the viewer. And then if in the middle of a serialized adventure of like, am I going to sell that television show? Like one of the, you know, things I'm working on right now, pitching things and like, that's a big, like, you know, that would be a big season finale. <laughs> yeah. And then if in the, they're watching that television show and then it's like, ah, but uh, this episode, I'm going to go to a hotel near a beach and I'm going to read a book. I think a lot of people would be like, how does this, how does this tell the story? <laughs> but like from my perspective, that like standalone episode, like that's a, uh, that's character growth. That's mm-hmm. thematic growth. <laughs> yeah. When I'm in on that vacation, you know, uh, building up this sort of uh, emotional reservoir mm-hmm. to continue the serialized story. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's and my tortured analogy about vacation. I like it. Well, and maybe we need to watch those episodes because maybe for us as viewers, we need to find ways to also have the building up of our emotional buffers from watching those episodes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Let's uh, our next vacation. We'll watch some episodic television. Mm. Mm, nope <laughs> that's a straight up no fair enough uh if you could see any character in existing one or one you make up right now in an episodic series uh who would it be oh my gosh wow wow goodness i mean you had a really good one with agent carter honestly yeah that's a really um a really really good one um, I'm thinking my brain is trying to go so fast and trying to come up with a really good answer. Uh, okay. So honestly, uh, I want to have the episodic TV show of Yoda on Dagobah and like, what's his life there when Luke isn't there? Yeah. I mean, it's mostly just him making root leaf stew and meditating about the force and the state of the galaxy and working through some stuff. And But is it? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still gonna watch that one. No, I'd be thrilled. I'd be thrilled <laughs> to watch it because maybe he's had some adventures that that we don't know. Right? Maybe he hasn't always lived in that tree cave. Mm-hmm. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he moves trees. Yeah, all the time. What does he pull out and put into the lake just for fun? <laughs> or the swamp, rather. <laughs> I love, I love the idea of the one where Yoda gets bored and just throws crap in the swamp. Right. Just to see, like, I can t- I can throw anything in. I can mm-hmm. take anything out. <laughs> it's like a big game of Tetris in the swamp. Yeah, Yoda working through the, uh, the what, the Fort Da issues. The, come here, go away. Come here, go away. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I would love for you to make a noise to sum up your interest in episodic storytelling. Broom. That sound had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Sure did. And it ended on a high note, literally. Bloop, yeah, right? It did. All right. Nice. It was a positive episodic noise. Yeah. Nice. 
Uh, are you at all obsessed with the idea of episodic storytelling? Uh, obviously, you, you had a, a very engaging conversation with me about it, and I appreciate that. But it, this is not something that you're walking around thinking about no. for the most part, right? No, but it was really fun to think about it um, because I knew we were going to be talking about this. So it was very fun to think about it today. <laughs> <laughs> so on a scale of one to ten, you'd be, uh, what, a negative two or, I mean... I mean, let's put me at at least, I think I will think about it a little bit more now, but let's put me at a, a one. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to put myself at like a seven. Uh, you know, I, this is not my main thing in life, but right now, uh, storytelling is a huge part of my life and mm-hmm. watching trends in storytelling um, and, and watching that dynamic between what does the audience want because it's it's different or what does the audience want because it's real or what does the audience want because now they're just used to stories going that way so when they don't it doesn't feel right yeah uh versus you know what kind of risks are uh are are people who are paying for stories uh for them to be created what kind of risks are they willing to take uh Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff is uh just always spinning through my mind and and especially when i kind of meant it just as silliness and fun to apply it to real life but now I'm kind of obsessed with <laughs> with analyzing what, what in life feels like serialized and what feels like a beginning, middle, and end episodic adventure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I would, I would say as um, a participant, but also an observer in your life, that you do have a lot of things that are serialized just from the nature of your work. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. if they're episodic, they're long episodes. Your yeah. episodes are not uh, each day as an episode. Yeah. And then just one more time... One more big caveat. Try to be short <laughs> and clear with my caveat. I think in general, there's a reason that so many things have moved to serialized. And I really, really like serialized uh, stories. I'm not taking a shot at MCU. Like I said, I, I think they've inspired a, a push towards serialization. But that's fine because they're adapting something that's serialized and that's a part of its charm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the thing for me is I just want there to be even if it's 90% of storytelling is serialized, mm-hmm. I want their ten, that 10% to episodic to have that feeling of comfort. And also just to, to for us as a society to just say, sometimes it's worth it to just spend time with the character you like. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? Yep. Um, in a, a lot of these conversations have been around this uh, Bad Batch Star Wars show. Okay. And that and one of the things I've been deeply affected by of like I think the storytelling structure is, is very similar to Rebels and, and it, there's big picture serialized stuff and I don't think a single episode of that has been like oh we're just filling time. It's like every episode is like even if it doesn't uh, immediately clear how it's moving the big picture plot forward, it's moving the themes for it, it's moving the characters forward. So I think the show is is firing all, on all cylinders. But I've been really affected by this. The characters in that show are super charming. And if they said ahead of time, if Disney Plus released a press release, and like, seriously, they're just going to like space mini golf planet this week. They're, it's just going to be hanging out with them for a week. I'd be like, I'm all in. Because <laughs> that's a part of the charm is I just want to spend time with those characters. Yeah. And that's been such a nice feeling. And I want to be able to have that again. And I want society to be able to embrace that of like it's just two hours with a character you like yeah enjoy it yeah you know yeah no that's a beautiful caveat and i will join you that i also as much as i've been saying many positive things but episodic tv do love serialized tv yeah but 
still want to watch Yoda hang out on Dagobah. <laughs> I now I now <laughs> I really want just a whole series of Yoda throws things in the swamps. That's uh, the best pitch uh, for Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> that I can imagine. Uh, all right, uh, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on um, Twitter. Sometimes at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, that's good. Okay, great. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. And you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. The other thing that I wanted to highlight this week is if you happen to live in California, uh, that big recall election is coming up really quite fast on September 14th. Uh, I just really encourage, if anybody's listening and, and lives in California, and honestly, if you don't live in California, but you just want to amplify the message, this is one of those, to me, uh, the elections don't happen every just every two or four years. Big things that affect lots of people, uh, our votes are happening all the time. And this is actually one with a lot of ramifications. So I would, mm-hmm. uh, I would suggest for people to check it out and be aware. And if you're in California, uh, be aware of the intricacies and be ready to vote. Uh, and with that, we're going to move on to our final questions. Uh, if you could write one word in the sky and it would stay there for a month, what would your word be? Joy. Joy. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> uh, if it transitioned into a different word at the end of the month, uh, what would it be? Hope. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a very positive sky for months at a time. If you could invent a new Olympic sport, what would it be? Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, ooh, wow. I want something fun. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't know what that would be. Um. Wow. Do you want it to be athletic or do you want it to be, okay. I mean, it's the Olympics. Okay. Do you want it to be something dance related? No, not necessarily. Um, um, wow. Is there anything? Okay. Go go ahead. Uh, hula hooping. (laughs) To music or just to the stony cold silence? Oh, yeah, I think we need some music. Yeah. Yeah, it, it makes the crowds uncomfortable if there's silence. Yeah. So it's more for the crowd than it is for the actual hula hooper. Okay, so the, the, and this would be many, many hoops on one body, right? It could be. There'd be all sorts of different ways to judge or <laughs> length of time, but there would need to be probably a cap. Yeah. So we don't have somebody just like hula hooping for 24 hours. Look, is is uh, somebody who, who grew up uh, when skateboarding was a little bit more of a edgy thing. I think now that skateboarding's in the Olympics, anything can be in the Olympics is uh, my biased perspective based <laughs> on my age <laughs> that I'm going to totally acknowledge. Final question for everyone on the podcast. What is happiness? Putting your feet in the stand- sand and staring at the ocean. Oh, nice. A nice episodic stare. <laughs> Thank you very much uh, for listening. Thank you, Sarah, for being a wonderful co-host of the podcast. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Okay, so after we spent all this time talking about episodic versus serialized, uh, what do you want to watch tonight? What kind of show? Something serialized.